Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 224. Over the next few podcasts, we're going to be looking into the routines that lead to godliness. And as we do that, I want to hit right up front the idea that the most important thing we can do in this life as children of God is to go out and find someone to witness to. Now, let me just tell you, that is high on the priority list, and everyone who names the name of Jesus needs to be a witness for Christ. They need to be a martyr in the sense of the true sense of the word martyr. Martyreo means eyewitness or I bear testimony, and that's what we need to do. Now, the fact is that word martyr became synonymous with someone who dies for their faith or dies for a cause in our day. But the reason that they were called that and the connotation stuck with it of someone dying for their faith is because that's what they did when they gave testimony. Many times it cost them their life in the Greco-Roman world into which the gospel came. And so these kinds of words are thrown around very lightly, but The reality is when a person comes to know Christ, the thing that he wants to do is share it with someone else. So let's get that out of the way. I'm not anti-evangelistic. I'm not some hyper-Calvinist. I'm not anything. And my life record shows that. No one needs to try to beat me up in saying, well, he's just not evangelistic or he's gone liberal. He's not putting the emphasis on the Great Commission. I just believe we need to get biblical about this whole thing because whatever we're doing in America is not working. The proof's in the pudding. And the fact is that the evangelical church in America is dying. And one of the reasons is because we've got everything out of kilter. We've got all of our priorities wrong. You see, the Bible says from Moses to Jesus that the most important thing we can do is not win a soul to Jesus. It is to love God with the totality of our being. That is, when Moses was about to go into the land of promise, he rehearsed the law. It's called Deuteronomos, the second law. That doesn't mean that a second law was given, it means that he rehearsed the law and gave it to the people for the second time because for 40 years they had been wandering in the wilderness and hadn't even kept the Passover. They they had not even kept the rite of circumcision, which was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. And so it was time to get back to God and to get back to obedience. And that's what Deuteronomy was all about, and that's why Jesus quoted from it more than any other, because it is a summary of the entire law. And so when Moses was opening up that book in the sixth chapter, he gave what every Jewish person, every Hebrew, everyone who is part of that generation who has been brought up to love God, here's what they say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. But it doesn't stop there because it goes on to say, Moses said, this God who is a triune God, who is a God of unity, who is one, he deserves and demands our love. 
we are commanded to love God. Now, that doesn't mean that that appeals to our feelings. That appeals to our volition, to our choice, to our minds, to our will. And so God said, I want you to love the Lord your God with the totality of your being, with your entire heart, soul, mind, strength, everything that's within you. That's what that says. This was what Moses told the children of Israel. When people came to Jesus and said, Master, what is the greatest thing we can do? Rabbi, teacher, what is the greatest thing we can do? Well, he didn't contradict Moses. He said the greatest thing you can do, the priority thing, the protos you can do, the megale, the mega commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with everything that's within you, with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. He said this is the protos. This is the priority. This is the first thing before anything else. You need to love God and cultivate that love. That's what we're talking about, routines that lead to godliness, to loving God with everything that's within us. And then he said, it is the Megale. It is the mega commandment. And then Jesus gave them a twofer. He said, and the second thing I want to tell you, because, of course, we get that wrong as well. And that is, after loving God, that affects us in every way to love other people. Yes, even those that are unlovable, those that don't love us, we are to love them because that is the kind of God who has come to live in the child of God's life. We are to love people. I spoke to you about assurance in the podcast that we started with in this series on routines and rituals that lead to godliness and to loving God, and that is assurance. The book of 1 John was written to give us assurance, and one of the keynotes and one of the key signatures and factors of every child of God is that you love the brethren, you love other people, you love those who are the household of faith, but you love others. If someone says they love God and they don't love the people who are created in the image of God, The Bible says they don't know God to begin with because it's God's very nature to love. Now, again, don't come back at me and start talking to me about the justice and the righteousness of God. I I know what the scripture says about the justice and the righteousness of God, and I believe that with all my heart. But you see, right now we're talking about the love of God. If I was talking about the justice of God and the righteousness of God, you would know it. What I'm trying to get you to see is that the number one thing and the number two thing by Jesus himself is to love God with everything that's within us and love other people in the way that God's loved us, in the way we desire to be loved, in the way that we love ourselves and take care of ourselves. God said, this is the kind of love you have need to have one toward uh, each other. And when we do that, it's amazing how easy it is to witness when we love God with all of our heart. Because who we love, we're going to talk about. We're going to share with others. And we're going to share what we love with others that we love and the ones that God brings across our path. You see, witnessing is not someone standing over you with a whip saying, oh, I've got to go out and witness to two or three. I've got to do this. And, and I heard that this evangelist and this great man that God used, the reason he was great is because he made a vow to God that he had witnessed to one person every day. And even when he went down, laid down to go to bed at night, if he realized he hadn't done, he'd get up and go, well, let me just tell you, that's not the life God wants us to live, the life of have to. It's the life of get to. It's the life of wanting to serve God, wanting to share Jesus. It's not some burden that God has given us. God will open up the opportunity. And uh, people say, well, you know, we do, people in the uh, New Testament were just saved on the spot. What about Pentecost? Well, what about Pentecost? 
you got to understand that most of the people that were there were already seeking after God. Yes, wrongly. Yes, out of error. But they were nonetheless seeking after God. You say, well, you can't say that. No, I won't. But God does. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 5, at Pentecost, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now think about this. The word devout is eulabes. You is the prefix good. Uh, la base comes from lambano. That means to hold on. That means they had a good grip on things. They were already people who knew the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writings. There were different stages of that, but these people were already looking for the Messiah. Yes, many of them missed it, but they were there. These were not heathen. These were not people that had never heard. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons they were dwelling in Jerusalem is because it's a city of God, and there were people there from every region, every nation under heaven. And many of those nations were represented and and called out and named out in Acts chapter 2. And it says uh, that they heard in their own language, their own dialectos, their own dialect, not just a language, but their own dialect from these countries from which they came, words that were only used in that region. And so they knew that this was a supernatural act of God. It was a sign from God. And that's one of the reasons why they were doing what they were doing. It was a sign for those who did not know God. And so the Bible says that they embraced that. There were people there. Why were they there in Jerusalem? They were there to observe the three great feasts. They had come for Passover. Many would stay, of course, for unleavened bread and first fruits. That all happened at one time within a week. Then 50 days. Days later was Pentecost, Shavuot, and then and many would stay for the third festival, Tabernacles, and that included the Day of Atonement, which was right before that, Yom Teruah, the Day of the Trumpet Blasting, what we call Rosh Hashanah. They would stay, and because the Lord had said to Moses, I want these people to come and celebrate these uh, three great feasts once a year, and many could only come once a lifetime because of the distance. But what I'm saying was they were there because they were seeking to obey God. So this was what we would call a fertile field, a fertilized field, one that was cultivated, plowed, and all it needed to do was have the fruit picked, and that's exactly what happened. And so when Peter got up and said, this is not men and women who are drunk, these are people who are filled with the Spirit of God, and this is a fulfillment of the prophecy that Joel, the prophet. Well, you see, Peter assumed they knew who Joel, the prophet, was, and they he assumed that they knew the prophecy that in the latter days the Spirit of God would be poured out on old men and young men and daughters and, and women, and they were very familiar with that. You see, they already knew these things. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the outpouring of the Spirit, and here was the sign that it was happening. And so they embrace that. You see, the more secular America becomes, the more many are going to find out what those of us who have worked on mission fields before already know. You see, most evangelical Christians are in the southern United States, and everybody knows the language. Everybody knows the questions. Everybody knows, or they did. That's not the case anymore, because we have people moving in that didn't grow up in the South. 
But for those of us who have been on mission fields like Southern California, where we meet people that have never seen a Bible, have never touched a Bible, don't know the words of evangelist and pastor and all of those things, I've had many ask me, not a few, many ask me, what does a pastor do? What, I've never uh, had a Bible. Do you have a Bible I can have? I've never touched a Bible. I've, I've heard about the Bible. I've seen the Bible, but I haven't ever had one. Do you have one I could read? These are people, yes, they have objective truth of the nature around them. They have the subjective truth inside of them. That's what Romans chapter 1 says, that indeed they know there is a God. They know something of Him. But you see, many times they have rejected the light. But when they embrace the light that they have, God will get them more. That's where you and I come in. But what I'm saying is that you and I don't need to be fretting and worried about sharing our faith. Just learn to love God with everything that's within you. Get in the Word of God that we'll talk about in the next couple of sessions. Get into the Word. Let God's Word get into you. And there will be a great overwhelming desire for every opportunity you have to share Jesus because he's your life. You see, Jesus is not an add-on. He's not an addendum, an appendix. He's not an upgrade. He's not someone that you just call on when you need help or you're in trouble. He's not uh, the good buddy upstairs, the man upstairs. He is God Almighty. And the Bible says when we allow him to come into our life, he will come in and reside in our lives And he wants to. He wants to live in us and give us the joy and peace that he promised, a peace the world cannot give us, a joy that is not based on circumstances and what we have or don't have, or who likes us and who doesn't like us, who's canceled us and who hasn't. Whether we're politically correct or or incorrect, all of those things, they don't matter to the child of God. Why? Because we have something that's far greater than that, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness goodness, meekness. There's no law that can produce that, only the God who lives within us. And when we have God living in us, there is not this whip and guilt of having to go out and witness to somebody. No, it's the idea we get to witness to somebody. And don't worry, God will bring people across your path that he's already dealing with. Now, they may not be as ready as those people on Pentecost, all at one time, but you are sent there to just be a faithful witness. That's all. But don't force that. Let it happen. Talk to people about who they are and their life story. They'll open up and let you do it, and then they're ready to listen. And it's not some force them praying something or talking to you just to get you off their back. No, and let me just say this to you, and then I'll close. Loving people is not an evangelism strategy. Loving people is a command, and we need to love them because God commanded us to love them. And if we truly love them, sooner or later, God will give us an opportunity to share with them the love of our life, who is none other than Jesus. Because the Bible says to those who believe, Jesus is precious. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.